we have these massive fears of how difficult things are going to be. And they are difficult. But when you think of worst case scenario, it usually ends up much better. Everybody, Emily Abadi here coming to you with the final installment of this special running through series. If you've been listening this week, then you know the drill. Global Running Day was on Wednesday, so I felt as though it was only fitting that we wrap up season nine and celebrate all week by bringing five back-to-back episodes to the feed. I, on the show, am all about bringing hurdlers content that encompasses all that is wellness. But as you know, running holds a very special place in my heart. It's helped me get through some of my biggest hurdle moments and connect on a deeper level with so many. So throughout the week, I have brought you stories of inspiring women who have also turned to running during some of life's biggest, darkest hurdles, getting vulnerable about everything from grief and loss to depression and postpartum depression, talking about how running and sport has helped them persevere, rediscover their self-worth, and put on a brave face. To finish things off for this week of content, I am chatting with Deirdre Keen. She became a low-key internet sensation after her life story was told on Humans of New York. At 13 years old, her father passed away three years after being diagnosed with skin cancer. And years later, with very little running experience, she signed up for two half marathons. Then came her first full marathon in honor of her father, which she finished in under four hours and the rest is history. So she's talking to us about that entire journey today, about picking up running and the love of this sport in honor of her dad and how it has changed her. Plus, we also talk about her big, exciting goal, her big to-do coming up of doing the World Marathon Challenge, which is seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. It is absolutely crazy. I'm so, so excited to follow along with her on that journey. I do want to note that after today's episode, Hurdle is going on a season break, but I figured leaving you with five back-to-back episodes was a good enough way to hold you over until I pop back into the feed with season 10. Now, of course, before we get to today's episode, I've got to give some love to my friends at Tracksmith for sponsoring this week of content. Tracksmith is a brand for runners inspired by a deep love for the sport. They craft incredible gear for training, racing, and rest days, and create experiences that make running more rewarding, more connected, and more meaningful. Their summer collection features pieces designed for running in the heat, as well as staples for your vacation adventures. From their silky smooth twilight styles that seem to disappear while you're running to comfortable short tights that can carry all of your stuff on your long runs, from your fuel, to your cards, to your keys. These are staples that work as hard as you do. Explore their collections and stories at tracksmith.com and use the code HURDLE22 for free shipping. Also, you can do some good with your purchase. Tracksmith is working with me to support an organization that is near and dear to my heart. 5% of all sales using the code HURDLE22 will go to benefit every town. 
Every Town is an American organization which advocates for gun control and against gun violence. And after the recent shootings at Robb Elementary and just so much that is going on in our country, I feel super passionately about the opportunity to do my part and contribute. So uh, please consider doing some good. Use the code HURDLE22 at checkout. 5% of the proceeds will go to every town and you'll get free shipping at tracksmith.com. At Hurdle Podcast, at Emily Abadi. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Deirdre Keen. She is a nurse practitioner. Are you still at Memorial Sloan Kettering? I am. I currently work in their pediatric intensive care unit. Oh my goodness. You are a real life superhero. (laughs) Don't know if I would call myself that, but I like to do my part when I can. Oh, well, you're doing more than just your part. You are on the show this week as a part of our hurdling through, running through series, talking with just beautiful people who have used running as a tool to get through some serious life hurdles. So you found... I- is fame the right word? Fame is a strong word. You had some eyeballs on you after appearing on the Humans of New York Instagram. Talk to us a little bit about how that came to be. So I was very fortunate that my friends actually nominated me for Humans of New York. Um, Brandon Stanton last year called out to people to submit New Yorkers who are unusual and different and who should be highlighted as a human of New York um, on his page. And a group of nine of my friends got together. They wrote this beautiful email submission uh, unbeknownst to me and told them about my running background, um, working during the pandemic and going through a more difficult time recently. Apparently it resonated with Brandon because he reached out to them and said, I would love to interview your friend. Um, would you mind giving me her phone number? And one day I got a text message from him. Definitely thought it was a joke. <laughs> but after some reassurance, he convinced me that it was indeed Brandon from Humans of New York and that he would like to sit down and talk to me just about my life and see where the interview went. And it wasn't supposed to be about running, but that's where it went to. But that's where it went to. So at the time of sitting down with him, you were a 33-time marathoner. Yes, I know. I I still can't believe it. I'm now up to 38. Oh my gosh. Look at you go. That is truly phenomenal. Now, you yourself, talk to us about when you got into running. So I always wanted to be a runner, um, which sounds like a strange thing to say, but I think a lot of people can relate to that feeling. It's just so, so hard to get started. And I never underestimate that difficult beginning. Uh, My dad was a massive marathoner. And throughout her childhood, he was running New York City Marathon every year, signed up for half marathons, 10Ks. And then my dad originally developed cancer when I was 10. It started in his forehead. And despite multiple rounds of radiation and chemo, it continued to come back. And by the time I was 13, 
he was um, considered terminal. But despite all of that, he found some fortitude in running, I'll say. It gave him a lot of comfort to the point that he refused to give it up. Uh, the day before his last surgical resection, where they took a tumor the size of a golf ball out of his jaw, he ran the New York City Marathon. And not only did he run the New York City Marathon, but he ran it as an aide for someone who was visually impaired, who became his really good friend through Achilles International. So that was a type of mentor I had in my life until he fortunately passed away when I was a teenager. And after that, I always wanted to run just as a way to contribute to his memory, um, to follow in his footsteps. But as I mentioned, it was just so hard. Like I would start walking and then I would try to run. But eventually, after maybe half a mile, start walking again. And eventually, I don't know what it was. I just got myself to the point where I was like mind over matter. I know I'm physically fit. There's no physical reason why I can't run. And I just pushed myself and I refused to quit. So once I got to that point and got to the half marathon uh, training point, I felt like it was probably a lot easier. But after I ran my first marathon, it was surprisingly not as difficult as I thought it was going to be. Um, I think I, because I put the work in and I got the bug and I haven't looked back since. I probably on average run like four marathons a year. It's my favorite way to travel. It's my favorite way to decompress. It's my favorite mode of therapy. And it's just a moment in time that I take just for myself and myself alone. I want to talk a little bit more about your dad and the volunteering that he was doing while he himself was struggling so much. Do you remember him ever complaining about his circumstance or was this truly just such a joy for him that complaining wasn't a part of the picture? Um, so he definitely was not a complainer and he enjoyed what was left of his life so much that we, as his children, we didn't think he was going to die because he never approached his illness as the end of his life. He looked at it as just another obstacle that he was going to overcome to the best of his ability or work around. And he took advantage of every single moment. So with that outlook, when eventually he did pass from cancer, we were so surprised. Like we thought our dad was going to live forever. He was our superhero. He was a teacher in the inner city in the Bronx. He loved those children. We'd all go on field trips together. He would bring us with us. We'd skip school and we'd go down and watch Broadway show with them. He would take them to races on the weekend and we'd all run the kiddie races together. And then on the evenings, he would volunteer with his friend at Achilles International and they would run and train for the New York City Marathon. And I'm very blessed to have had him for a moment in time. Um, I obviously still wish he was with me but he definitely set the foundation of who I was going to become as an adult and as a runner. Do you remember the like run where maybe you realized that you were capable of doing it for longer than you ever envisioned? Whew, um, I'm trying to think, I guess. Yes, I do remember. Um, I, it was during the summer between like sophomore and junior year. And I started running around the reservoir. And normally I would walk. I was 
I'd say I was very fit at the time. I could like walk up to 12 miles a day. I just couldn't transition it to running. And today, or today, one day, I decided today's the day. There's no excuses. It's early in the morning. It's not that hot. You're going to go and do as many laps around this reservoir as you can without stopping. And let's say that's not the best way to do it, but it worked in that instance. And next thing I know, I did eight loops of a two mile (laughs) reservoir and I did 16 miles. So after that, I was like, okay, I'm signing up for a half marathon. And I signed up for the first half marathon. Whoa, 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 whoa. So you went from I can't run to I'm going to run 16 miles? Yeah. That's pretty much how I look at most facets of life. It's all or nothing with me. But like I said, I had been working out in the gym trying to get myself physically capable of running. And that's when I realized for me it was more mental and I could overcome that barrier by pushing myself and just refusing to quit which is not a great mindset. Like that has led to me having a lot of difficult times more recently when I realized I've been pushing myself too hard and I'm physically exhausted and mentally exhausted. But at that time, it was enough to like push me to start running. And the next, let's be real, the next week I couldn't run. I was in so much pain and so miserable, but I knew I could do it because I did it once, that meant I could do it again. And that was how my running hobby started. (laughs) People are listening to this and they're like, that sounds like my own version of personal hell. (laughs) Yeah, it was. I did not enjoy it at all. But I was just like, I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And like a lot of us can relate to when we finish that workout, when we finish that race, we never look back and regret it. It definitely taught us something like maybe you should not run that far or maybe you should give yourself some breaks or more water, but you never truly regret it because you did something for yourself in that moment. I love that. So do you think about him regularly when you're lacing up and getting out there? I will always put a song or two in my playlist, my marathon playlist. So I make sure I think of him during it. Um, Are You With Me is like one of those songs. And then every time it comes on, like I look to my left or my right, wherever no one's standing. And I'm like, I know you're there. And then there's other times when I'm really struggling, like um, the Boston Marathon in April, mile 20, Heartbreak Hill. It was just, uh, you always forget how hard Heartbreak Hill is. And that is why it's called Heartbreak Hill, I'm sure. But going up that, I just started speaking to him. I'm like, dad, like, get me to the finish. Get me to the finish. And it sounds bizarre, but I really feel his presence during those times of need. And then more recently, I'm graduating this week with my MBA, which is very exciting. So I Congratulations. love- Thank you. I love going for runs before these big life events, just as a time of solitude and reflection. And I kind of speak to him during those times. like. I wish you were here. It's another event that you can't be here. But truthfully, I know it's thanks to you that I'm here. I did not get this far on my own. And I am 100% certain about that. Do you think that you would have been as steadfast as you became about getting into running if he hadn't been such an avid runner himself? I don't think so. It's honestly, it's really hard to tell. I do sometimes think of this alternate universe that we could have lived in together where we run marathons together and we could volunteer at Achilles International together. 
But we know how annoying we are with our parents. When our parents want us to do something, typically we don't do it just because we have to be difficult children. However, when you lose a parent, there feels like there's so much more in the line that you want to honor their memory and you want to keep a piece of them alive. And I think that's what I was doing when I started running. Yeah. And what a beautiful way to do that. So you you spoke about, you know, that original 16-mile day. When you recovered from that 16-mile decision, talk to us about signing up for your first few races, your first half marathon, and then eventually your first marathon, which, I mean, that's a whole hurdle within itself. Yeah. Um, so... I would spend the majority of my summers in Ireland. I'm very fortunate that both my parents are from Ireland. So we'd go back and stay with my, our grandmothers during the summer. And Ireland's a beautiful but very hilly place to run. So I looked up half marathons. I was like, I'm going to transition all this flat running I've been doing in the Bronx, New York, <laughs> to the mountains of Ireland. And I found um, a half marathon and a 15-mile run that were a week apart in County Kerry which is probably the most hilly county in Ireland. And I signed up for it. People were like, I know you ran 16 miles, but I don't think you can do two races a week apart. Because there were two different Sundays, seven days apart. I was like, no, I did it. Like, I can do this. I did 16 miles. I can do anything I set my mind to. And obviously it was painful, but I did it. And knowing that, I was like, I'm going to train for a full marathon this fall. Um, and I was going into, sorry, I think I misspoke. I said earlier I was going into my junior year. I was going into my senior year. So I looked up marathons near Boston. I went to Northeastern at the time. And I found the Manchester, New Hampshire marathon that fell on my dad's birthday, November 3rd of um, 2010. I was like, this is the sign. I'm running the marathon, my first marathon on dad's birthday. Wow. I have chills sitting here. <laughs> Oh my God. And so the the lead up to that, the build up to a marathon, a completely different beast than training for a half mm -hmm. marathon. Talk to us about the headspace that you got in, how running evolved for you this during this time. Did you still love it just as much? Where were you kind of like cursing the day that you made the decision to do this? Like where were you at? I, it really depends on the day. And I think any runner can speak to that. Some days you go out there and you're like, I love my life. I'm obsessed with running. Running's my true love. But there's other days where you're like, I cannot believe I have to go for a run right now. I do not want to do this. And that's really what it was like. Um, I was going into my senior year. I was training for a marathon when all my friends were going to fun parties. And I had to be mindful on Saturday morning. I had to get up for a 20 mile run. But those are small sacrifices you make when you're looking at the bigger picture. And for me, it was always to commemorate my dad, just to do the one marathon. Uh, it's also funny looking back on those times because I didn't have a smartwatch. There's no way I was able to track how fast I was running. I would go on, I think MapQuest was the map you would use back then on my computer and try to map how long my runs along the Charles would be to see how close to 20 miles I could get them. So a very different era. And also having the one pair of sneakers that I probably should not have been running in because I'm sure I ran more than like three, 400 miles in them. But there were different times. Um, and then I got to the point of the marathon, showed up that morning so nervous. Um, I remember I was wearing like three quarter lens, like 
dungaroos you know they kind of flare at the end with my hot pink nike sneakers and a hot pink top and a white cotton t-shirt over it saying like a memory of john Keane, and starting off and thinking like i don't know what i'm doing i should not be here i don't deserve to be here i'm 21 all these people look so seriously professional and i'm an idiot to think i can actually accomplish this and how did you get out of that mindset and into the I am going to effing do this mindset? And that's the beautiful thing about running. Like literally and figuratively, I just put one foot in front of the other. I was like, you've no choice now to go, but to go forward. You're not going to quit without even trying. And I said to myself, I was like, the half marathon finishes here. If at the half marathon point, you cannot complete this, that's okay. Like you tried your best, you won't hurt yourself, but let's give this like a real shot. So I got to the half point and I was like, screw it. I am on a roll. I had the endorphins had kicked in, the goose had kicked in. I was feeling myself and I was feeling Miley Cyrus as I ran with my iPod. Um, But of course, mile 18, it started hurting a little bit. I just... The pain was not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. And I think that was just a valuable lesson to learn in life. Like we have these massive fears of how difficult things are going to be. And they are difficult. But when you think of worst case scenario, it usually ends up much better. So I pushed through and the last five miles, I was like, I only have five miles to go. Like, let's go as hard as I can. That lasted for about a mile. And like five miles is still pretty far, Deirdre. And um, crossed the finish line with this older guy that I kept trying to pace off. <laughs> and I didn't realize my iPod was playing this loud through my headphones. But he said to me as we crossed the finish line, he was like, how many times did you play Party in the USA? And I was like, many, many times. <laughs> what an amazing story. And so by the end of it, I mean, that feeling was just so beautiful that you decided, man, I should just keep doing this and doing this and doing this and doing this again. <laughs> Yeah. It never got to the point that I thought I was going to be running this many. I was like, okay, that wasn't terrible. I want to do another one. And I I wanted to graduate and have the typical last final year of college experience. And after graduation, I moved to Ireland and I was like, okay, let's use this as a way of traveling Ireland and traveling Europe. And I did the Dublin marathon, the Belfast marathon, the Cork marathon and started improving on my speeds and knew when I moved back to New York that like I was ready for the New York City Marathon and I was going to take that city by storm in memory of my dad. Wow. So talk to us about that emotional experience because I would imagine it was really, really special. So the first New York City Marathon got canceled because of Hurricane Sandy, rightfully so. Um, I remember at the time that I was very upset. I think it was canceled maybe two days prior. But the following year, I remember running it and having my mom and my sister, my brother cheering me on. And there's something just, I don't know, it felt almost like divine intervention, running in my father's footsteps and feeling him with me, um, starting off in Staten Island, crossing to Verrazano and to Brooklyn, running through Queens, and then hitting, um, after Manhattan, hitting the Bronx, our home borough before descending into the city, literally knowing that my dad ran that exact course over 20 times and doing it for the first time in his memory was spectacular. 
So it's to the point that even now, whenever the New York City Marathon, I've done it around I think five times, but it never loses that special sensation of him being with me and literally following in his footsteps. What would you say the role is that running plays in your life? So, yeah, I talk so much about running. Um, running is definitely a massive pillar of who I am as a person, but it's also the foundation because there's so much more to me. I'm obviously, I'm not a professional runner. I have to work for a living and I'm a student and I try to be a good friend and family member, but it gives me that mode of just going out there and letting it be a therapeutic release for whatever's bothering me. I would argue that it makes me a better person because I'm taking that time for myself to do something that improves my physical quality of life and my mental quality of life. And I've really seen running like pull me through tough times. Um, It's also a time for me to chastise myself when I know I've done something wrong because I just get to reflect on it and take away all those external distractions, like my phone, my television, my dog, who you may keep hearing in this podcast, but it's just a time to reflect with my thoughts and realize like, Deirdre, you weren't correct in what you did. Like when you get home, you're going to go take your phone and you're going to call that person or text that person, but you're going to do right. You want to be a better version of yourself. And I don't think if I, if I didn't have the opportunity to set aside time for just me and my thoughts, I wouldn't get to those conclusions. So I'm thankful for running just for making me a better person holistically. What would you say that your reason for continuing is these days? And what races are on your bucket list that you have yet to check off? Wow. Um, I try to think of the why I run question or the answer to that question pretty frequently because it's such a huge part of my life. And I don't know if I really know the answer, if I'm being honest. I know why I started. I know, like I mentioned, to commemorate my dad's memory and to follow in his footsteps. But now it's part of who I am. Um, It's just so essential to my well-being. And I truly didn't realize that until last spring. I had my mental health challenge in a way that I never thought was possible and experienced depression probably for the first time. And running was my only constant. Prior to that, like I mentioned, running was like a mode of therapy, a a mode of self-reflection, but I never utilized it as a way to grieve and to process like very tough feelings um, or to get through a time where you feel like your whole life is thrown upside down. So after that, I kind of realized that running is a massive love of my life. But races are different. I think I love marathons because I find the distance conquerable and I love the validation it gives me, which may not be the best, but I love the fact that I can train, put the work in, put the distance and the speed in, tow the start on race day and give it my all knowing that I put the foundation in, that I tried my best. And usually it works in my favor. Of course, we all know we have those days where for whatever reason, you're having a bad day, you didn't drink enough, you didn't sleep well enough, you trained too hard, it doesn't work out. 
But for the most part, for me, writing has been consistent where if I put the work in, it'll give me the results that I want. How many marathons had your father run? I would say in the 20s. I don't have an exact number, but he did New York City for over 15 years and a few Dublin marathons. Wow. So just so many takeaways, so many beautiful things that you have from your running journey. For someone who aspires to develop this same relationship with running, to find this calm that you talk about, to be able to better navigate their emotions and deal with their feelings, what advice do you have to beginner runners out there? You just want to start running, right? You don't want to put this weight on this burden of running being this end-all be-all for helping you through tough times for making you a better person. More than likely, it will end up doing all that. But the point of getting started is getting started, right? Being able to run, getting through the pain and being able to enjoy running. Like you have to hit that point where you can go for a run and you're like, this isn't miserable. I'm actually loving this. I'm not focusing on how much it hurts when my feet are hitting the pavement. I'm actually looking around me and enjoying my environment before you can start the process of like, okay, now that I'm comfortable with my running pace, what are the benefits I'm going to reap from running? It's a gradual process. And I can pretty much assure anyone that if they keep going and they put the work and the time in, like they will get there. But I know other people find that in cycling Um, in CrossFit classes and bar classes, when you're just perfecting a technique or doing anything you're passionate about, whether it's art, reading, like there's so many different things that you can do where you can reap the benefits, where you see something that you love is positively impacting you. It doesn't have to be running. That's my thing. So I would say anyone who wanted to try running, just start it, see what happens. Like if it's for you, it's going to work out. But it is a great way to see the world and physically improve your mindset and body. I love it. What are you excited about right now? What are you looking forward to? Ooh, so much. So this week is such a great week for me. So I'm actually happy that you asked me to do this podcast this week because I felt like it was another positive sign. I'm graduating from NYU Stern with my MBA. Yesterday was our commencement for the entire university at Yankee Stadium, where see Taylor Swift, and she got her honorary doctorate. I'm a massive Tay-Tay fan. Uh, <laughs> I, I just, I know some people love her, people love to hate her, but I just think she's a phenomenal person, person, businesswoman, and uh, musician. And then tonight, there's an award ceremony where I'm receiving an award from school, which I'll find out what it is. And tomorrow is our MBA graduation. So what a week. You have nothing going on this week. So thank you for making the time for me. No, no, I love to clump all these positive things together. And I think it's just a time where you're like, I'm going to look back on this week and reflect on what a positive week it was. But I also want to say that not every week is perfect. And I've learned that this week. Like I've had moments where I've been very sad. My father's not going to be there. I was thinking about being this age and not having a partner when so many of my friends are bringing their significant others. Um, I'm estranged from my sister, so she won't be there. So all these 
areas of your life where you feel like you're lacking, even if you're wrong, like they are brought to the surface. And it is good to deal with them during the happier times as well as the tough times because they are going to rear their ugly heads. But I just run through it. I deal with it. I think about it. I think about how much I miss my dad and my sister. I think about how nice it would be to have a partner, but also the wonderful benefits I have in my life. I'm not held responsible to anyone. I get to do things independently in my way, which better or worse um, can be a positive. And life is not meant to be perfect. You're meant to make the most of what you're given in this crazy world. And I try to do just that. And that takes perspective, right? Like it's not as though you're not entitled to have feelings about all of those things. Like Mm -hmm. you are allowed to wish that your dad was here or feel some kind of way about the fact that you don't have a partner at graduation or that your sister is not there. Like this is just Mm -hmm. a part of life. You wouldn't be human if you didn't have feelings about these things. But for you to so beautifully articulate your perspective and the gratitude that you have despite that circumstance, that's really important and such a really, really great takeaway for anybody that's listening to this. And that perspective is usually hindsight, right? When you're going through the emotions, like, of course, you try to ride above them and take a bird's eye view. But I also give myself some slack. I'm like, it's okay to cry. Be sad about this. And then let it go because it's outside of your control. And you really have to focus on all the wonderful positives that are going on. Um, and plus, like Taylor said something yesterday at graduation that really resonated with me. She's like, you can carry so much more of the good things in your life than you can with the heavy and toxic things. Um, they take their burden. They're harder to carry. They are a heavy load. Where the positives, it feels like they're unlimited in what you can carry. You can carry like all those wonderful friendships, relationships, um, aspects of your life where it takes one or two negative parts and you really can feel like you're drowning. Definitely. Definitely. Right now for you, when you look back on the humans of New York aspect of that moment in your life, I'm sure there were a lot of individuals that reached out to you and talked to you about your story. Can you talk a little bit about what that was like for you? Yeah. Um, I will say I had so many fears about that story coming out. Um, I felt like I was a very fortunate person and I didn't have a right to be that sad or that I should have be more positive and more grateful for all the positives in my life that outweigh the things that are making me incredibly sad. And I didn't want to be judged for that. So there was massive contemplation and fear prior to finally telling Brandon, like, okay, I'm okay with you releasing this. But the love I received was just overwhelming. It really, I don't think I'll be able to compare to anything in my life. I've had people reach out from so many different areas of my life. And not only that, but my dad's life, like students he taught 
um, I had three or four students reach out to me and say that your father is the only teacher that did not make us feel different because of our backgrounds when he taught us in the Bronx. And to hear that is so validating and just made me so proud to be his daughter. But it definitely reaffirmed that it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to let people know when you're sad. Um, and it's okay to tell people when you're not okay. Uh, you will find support. And the people that aren't willing to support you probably aren't worth your time and effort. I'm fortunate that I didn't really have that problem. I was so supported. But Humans of New York is a very special platform where there, for whatever reason, seems to be no negative energy around. I think Brandon does such a great job of sharing people's stories and just bringing them to positive light. For sure. I mean, I was just yesterday scrolling back through so many of the comments of so many people saying that they could see themselves in your story. And what a beautiful opportunity for you to connect with so many other individuals who have also run through trauma at this point in their lives. So as we cap off things here, the final couple of questions. One, what sneakers are you running the most in these days? I, like most people, love my Nike Vaporflies. Um, they are just phenomenal. I remember when they came out before the New York City 2019 marathon and that I PR'd with them at that time. Ever since then, I've just kept them with me. Do you have a favorite song on your running playlist? Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough one. Okay, let's see. Gucci, Fendi, Prada, Merck, and Cremont. And all chain smokers. Final question for you. Right now, you have an opportunity to offer yourself a piece of advice back when you started with running, back when you were still working through the emotions that go hand in hand with losing one of your best friends. What is it that you tell yourself? Deirdre, put one foot in front of the other. It's going to be okay. You've got this. You don't realize the support system you've around you. Utilize it. But until then, just keep running. Just keep running. Deirdre, so, so grateful that we can make the time for this. Let us know. Let the hurdlers know. How do they follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Give us the details. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. My handle is my first name, middle initial, last name. So it's Deirdre M. Keen. And I'm doing a fun adventure this October, which you guys should follow around, follow me on. I'm doing the World Marathon Challenge, which is seven marathons on the seven continents in seven days. So oh my that, God. I know, I know. It's been something that has been on my bucket list since 2018. Um, I always wanted to find a time in my life when I was be able to do it. And last year when I really hit that depression and fell in that hole, I was trying to find ways to climb out. And two ways that I thought would be helpful would be getting a dog and signing up for this world marath marathon challenge. They're not the reasons why I got out of the hole. I worked through it. I seek professional help and I gave myself time. But they have both been incredible. Um, my dog is now my new best friend. Probably here in the background. Yes, Lady Grey, you're my best friend. And the World Marathon Challenge is something I'm so excited for. Uh, we start in Antarctica. From there, we go to South Africa. Then we go to Australia and Perth. And we do Dubai for Asia. 
do Madrid and Europe. We go to Brazil for South America and we finish in Miami in North America. And that is supposed to be October 25th to the 31st. So stay tuned to see how Deirdre does. Oh my God. Um, just, just uh, there's some questions that need to happen before course, I let you course. go. Um, for the World Marathon Challenge, can like anyone sign up and just pay to be a part of this? Yes. So you have to prove that more than likely you would be able to complete it. Um, and I think Richard Donovan, who is the race director, he kind of looks through your race history to see, have you done a marathon before is a great start. Uh, but when I told him, I think I had done... 30 plus marathons at that time that I wanted to sign up. He was like, yes, that seems reasonable. I think you would be a reasonable candidate to complete this. Wow. And so you just like pay the cost and then they coordinate all of like where you stay and getting you from A to B. Yes. And then so between paying myself um, and finding corporate sponsorship, I've been doing a mix of both to pay for the full cost. But they have a chartered plane that takes us from every location. So there's going to be like 30 runners. The race started in 2015. Obviously, there was a pause the past two years with the pandemic. But it's a good mix of like pro athletes. Like Ryan Hall did it in 2018, 2019. And then like the average Joe, like myself. Um, But everything is set up from food, medical aid, flying. And we just kind of have to... tie our shoelaces and start running every day. Oh my God. How do you feel about the idea of running in Antarctica? I feel better after this last winter. Um, I, so I knock it with the cold. I have rain odds. My fingers become numb and then I lose sensation when I'm cold. So I was terrified of the idea of running on an Antarctica, but I started running through like the worst of the winter and I went to Colorado this winter and did some alpine running. I'm like, if you're dressed appropriately, have heat packs, like it is manageable. If anything, I'm more fearful for all the warm marathons because everywhere else is going to be fairly warm, like 70s to 90s. Yeah. And being dehydrated for six days in a row, like you're losing not only water, but electrolytes. Um, that's a little more concerning for me. So I'm looking we'll forward to- We'll have to get to you a- hooked up with some element packs. That's okay. <laughs> wonderful. I'm looking forward to like a lot of heat training this summer in New York City, <laughs> 90 degree weather. So excited to follow along with you. We will have to reconnect <laughs> leading up to it and after it for sure. Best of luck, my friend. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> and congrats again on such a stellar week. Uh, you can make sure to follow Hurdle over at on the socials at Hurdle Podcast. And I am over at Emily Abadi. Another Hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>